0: Welcome to my podcast, Pension Trends Plus with Atara, bringing you up-to-date information on pension funds, securities class action litigation, and all things related to your portfolio, and some real-life stuff as well. I'm Atara hersh securities class action attorney at AF&T in New York City. Today I'm here with a very interesting and multi-dimensional guest, Nathan Magsig. Nathan is both the chairman of the County Board of Supervisors in Fresno County, California, as well as the chairperson for the Fresno County Retirement System. As someone who grew up in Fresno, Nathan cares deeply about his community and works hard in service of others. As a student in Clovis Schools, Nathan developed his character through rigorous academic and athletic programs, excelling in football, track, and wrestling. Committed to lifelong learning, Nathan holds a master's degree in criminology, as well as an MBA from California State University of Fresno. Nathan served on the Clovis City Council for 16 years, and has also served as mayor of Clovis for two terms. Welcome, Nathan, to my show. How are you today?
1: Atara, I am doing great. Thank you for having me on.
0: Oh, well, really, thanks for coming. So you know, Nathan, you and I met several years ago in my work as a securities class action attorney and your role as a board member on Fresno County Retirement System. And I think it's fair to say that we hit it off pretty immediately. Um, We had lots to talk about. I think it's because we're both people who work hard at our jobs and take whatever we do seriously. And I have to say what strikes me whenever we speak is how many things you are involved in and the many ways you're always working to bring about positive change. So we have so much to discuss today, but let's start talking Um, with what's on everybody's mind, I'm sure, the current climate that we're in. So I know you're in California, which is a state now that's hit hard by the coronavirus pandemic. What is life looking like for you these days? Tell us.
1: I'll tell you that um, every day is different. Uh, As soon as you think you have the the virus figured out, there's a curveball that's thrown at you. Uh, About a month and a half ago, California started opening up different sectors because when we closed things down in March, Uh, we expected a a big wave to come and impact our hospitals and what we found uh, for the first month that we were kind of locked down is that our hospitals were empty Uh, we weren't seeing big spikes in cases and so we began opening up sectors different sectors here in california well lo and behold this virus of course then began to spread quickly and where we are today many of our hospitals um, are impacted significantly Uh, there's roughly i think 32 of our 58 counties which represent about 80% of the population of the whole state um, are uh, counties of concern for the governor, and he has um, re-implemented uh, some lockdown strategies where restaurants are closed, schools are not going to be able to, to go back here in a few weeks, and so it's a it's a really tough time, and our hospitals are being impacted. Um, I'm I'm in constant communication with our local hospitals here because they really are front they are our frontline workers and our last line of defense and we want to make sure our hospitals don't get overrun.
0: Right, that that's the most important thing. And um, I think it's important to to note if you're saying that the hospitals are are impacted so that this is really not just a question of doing more testing, right? Is that is that something you can confirm from what you're seeing?
1: Oh yeah, it's so looking at looking at coronavirus, one of the things that we've learned just in the last few months when when there were few cases out there, testing was critical and then contact tracing was critical as well. But now as we have, um, uh, we've seen more community spread and we continue to ramp up testing, um, we're finding that uh, the virus really is, uh, has proliferated our entire county and, uh, and our entire state. So what we need to do is be very clear in our messaging about the importance of wearing masks, social distancing, of course not going to gatherings, And unfortunately, um, over the course of the last few weeks, we still have seen uh, pockets of our population kind of uh, ignoring some of these orders and uh, still uh, gathering with friends or going out and uh, going to the park with 100 people. And that is really where this virus can, can spread quickly is when people are in close contact with one another indoors and outdoors
0: right i think there was a time not so long ago because as you said when we started this is changing every day not so long ago where everyone thought okay you know indoors we get it's a problem but outdoors ah maybe not so much we can have parties and barbecues and i think more and more we're seeing that that is really not the case and that the numbers even outdoors have to be in small groups and socially distant to really make this effective and to wear masks right
1: it's important to wear that mask, especially when you're indoors and you can't keep that six feet of distance. And again, there's some confusion about the masks. It's not that the masks provide you protection from getting the virus per se, but it protects others from you. Because just, you know, when you speak um, or you sneeze and you have that mask on, and even if you're covering your mouth with that mask and your hand, um, it limits the spread of, of, of particles that uh, otherwise would be spreading a lot more if you didn't have that mask.
0: Would, would you say wearing a mask is just about showing that you care about others' social responsibility?
1: Well, I would say that wearing a mask has been shown to reduce the um, uh, amount of spread when you do sneeze or talk. And so for me, it's, um, our doctors are asking us to do it. Um, and demonstrably, masks have been shown to reduce the amount of spittle that do come from your mouth. And this virus is extremely contagious and so simply for that fact, I'm going to wear a mask when um, I can't be socially distanced from others, and also when I'm in- indoors. Um, it's a mandate from the state, and also it does reduce the spread, so I'm going to do it.
0: Right, absolutely. You know, I know you're a father of three children, so are you encouraging children also to wear masks?
1: Oh, so, you know, with this virus, this virus does not discriminate. So whether it be children, people who um, are adults and healthy, and even even the elderly, I think we all need to abide by the guidance that's been laid out by uh, by the governor when it comes to the mask wearing and where. So uh, my kids wear a mask uh, when we go indoors. If, if we're getting food to go um, at a at a restaurant or something, and they happen to be with me, they're all wearing masks. But typically, when I'm out and about, my kids are at home. I'm encouraging my kids to get on their bikes and go on bike rides and go on runs. But the tough thing for kids right now is the fact that they can't have that socialization that they need. And so um, I'll tell you, it's having an impact on my kids.
0: Yes, I think that that is actually one of the, the most challenging things as a parent, I'm sure you can attest to that, is just seeing your children, and I, I use this word, and I don't think it's too strong, suffer from lack of socialization in a meaningful way and lack of social contact in a way you're that ab- they...
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I never thought I would hear my kids Tell me that they want to go back to school, and the reason for it is, is they've been away from school now for over six months, and uh, they miss being with their friends. They miss engaging with their teachers uh, in the classroom. And while we can learn, uh, do distance learning, there is a lot that is lost when you're not able to interact with human beings, and, and I'm talking one-on-one or in groups. So it is. There is an impact psychologically that uh, this virus is having on the whole country, uh, young and old.
0: I always say, you know, there's so much more that you learn outside the classroom even than in the classroom, right? Your interaction with peers and with adults and authority figures, just those are things that cannot be taught anywhere. It's, it's really one of the reasons that you go to school and that and navigating all those different scenarios really help shape you. That's so right. we're going to have to figure that out. So I, I want to talk a little bit about um, your role as, as chairman of the County Board of Supervisors. Can you tell us a little about that?
1: Sure. So, um, and currently I just came off of being uh, the chairman just a few months ago, but uh, so how it works is there are five supervisors here in Fresno County and every county across the, uh, the nation has either uh, uh, county commissioners, Judges or boards of supervisors that kind of uh, preside over the entire county. So, um, really, as chairman, it's it's kind of just a ceremonial title. And every year, the board of supervisors rotates that position um, to another supervisor. And so, every five years, you know, I will um, I'll be chairman again. But as the chairman, uh, probably the biggest thing that is done is I run the meetings and uh, help to put together the agendas for uh, for the county. And uh, being chairman is very exciting and it's a huge honor. Uh, Last year when I got to deliver the state of the county, um, I spent months putting a video uh, montage together that that really uh, was focused to highlight how wonderful the employees of Fresno County are. And so it it, uh, was a video that was put together that's about three minutes long and I launched it through social media right after um, I unveiled it at the State of the County event, and it was very well received. So uh, as chairman, there's many different things that you do. Supervisors are responsible for social services, sheriff's department uh, budgets, the district attorney budgets, public defender budgets. And then of course, depending on the county you're in, here in Fresno County, um, our county's 6,000 square miles. We have um, the deepest canyon in North America in Fresno County. Uh, We have many national parks here and uh, we're the number one agricultural producing region in the world. Uh, so it is a beautiful county with amazing people and I, I feel honored having, having an opportunity to serve my community.
0: Wow, yeah, and you, you grew up in Fresno, so this is really like, you're very deeply rooted in this place, right? It is my home. <laughs> yeah, I, I when I drove, um, I took a drive, a, a three-hour drive, I, I saw like just fields and fields with cows and cows. I was like, this is just such a pleasant place to live. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, so also, you are also on the retirement, um, the Fresno County Retirement Board. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that role and how those two ro- roles interplay with one another and then maybe differ.
1: Sure. So... As a supervisor, I'm elected to the Fresno County Board of Supervisors and I have to run for reelection every four years. As a supervisor, um, uh, my colleagues appointed me to serve on the Fresno County Employee Retirement Association, which is our pension system, and there are about 45 different uh, committees and commissions that the Board of Supervisors split up and then we each serve on different committees and commissions. I serve on about uh, 18 or 19 different boards with uh, Fresno County Employee Retirement Association being one. So um, I am a fiduciary as a trustee of our pension system. And when I operate on our pension system, I am wearing my, um, my role as, as the fiduciary there. So even though I am a supervisor, and that's, that's a title I always carry with me, um, I don't vote on what is in the best interest of the county, per se, when I'm sitting in my role as a trustee of the retirement system. So um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of unusual, but uh, every board and committee that I serve on requires me to kind of wear a different hat, and it's always important for me to make sure that the priorities that I have when I'm, when I'm serving in a respective role are kept in order. So um, I currently serve as the chairman of the retirement system, and I've been doing that for about the last uh, last two and a half years or so. And I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've learned so much, um, getting to meet with fund managers from all over the world, uh, having an opportunity just to um, learn about what I don't know. And uh, pension systems are so complex. Um, I'm I'm really fascinated how politics play into. Um, the markets and how economies are impacted just based upon uh, stable systems of government. So it's it's been a blast.
0: Yeah. So so in the last several months, I'm quite sure that there has been a lot of disruption in the pension fund, right? Yes. How have you seen that in in the Fresno retirement fund?
1: So I'll tell you. In um, in March, we saw the markets just really get disjointed. Liquidity became a major problem, and, and we all know the feds had to step in and cut rates basically to zero. And then they um, started flooding the marketplace with, uh, with money because uh, there was such a crunch for cash and capital that there were systems out there in the marketplace that were really on the brink of collapsing. But I'll tell you what we saw just in valuations at one point, we saw um, like a negative 20%. Um, in our portfolio where we were experiencing returns that would average between six and 8%. But in a matter of a month, we went from a portfolio that was doing well to being down almost 20%. And I have never seen that kind of dislocation ever. But with the pandemic, I think early on, a lot of of people believed that the pandemic was gonna be contained in China. And we started getting a couple cases across Europe and Italy be, uh, began to get really impacted. And then we saw what happened in New York. Um, the, uh, and then the number of cases began to climb. The markets just uh, reacted very negatively. And even today, there still are, um, there's a lot of volatility in the marketplace because we don't know how long we're gonna be fighting this pandemic.
0: Right. I think that's what's really worrisome. So are you worried about the state of the of the pension fund and how that's going to look going forward? Because, you know, there's unemployment, which means taxes are lower, which means contributions are lower, like it's just a cyclical effect. So what are you doing, I guess, like a day to day for that? And how is that a day to day concern?
1: Great question. And, and I'll say, um, I wouldn't say that I'm worried. I think concerned is definitely a better word to use. But anytime there are dis- dislocations in the market, there also are opportunities. So while we're seeing this volatility, um, our pension fund is in a position where our funded status is right around 82%. So it's not the best of pensions, but it's definitely not the worst. And, and also with, uh, with where we are, with the markets being so dislocated, it also creates some opportunities out there where if you have, if you have cash, to move cash into different investments that um, may produce some solid returns. So uh, I'll tell you one thing that our board did, which I really applaud them, which is, is gonna produce, I think, a double and triple benefit. About two years ago, we uh, had uh, RBC, Royal Bank of Canada come out And they had a a vehicle, a fund that they put together for us where we set aside $50 million. And what they were doing is purchasing paper, basically, in the Fresno marketplace for affordable housing projects, uh, for uh, uh, small business, disadvantaged community, um, minority-owned businesses in Fresno County. And the goal of that fund was to create more liquidity here in Fresno County to um, just to help us with problems that we have here. And so we put that together, and when the Fed started to cut rates a little bit, we saw tremendous returns early on because that fund really was only supposed to perform right around 35 to 4% return annually for us. And then um, what I saw, too, was when the markets became dislocated just a few months ago, um, the, one of the only funds that was positive even through that time was that RBC fund. So our board took action to assign another $7.5 million to that fund. So we're up to $57, 58000000 there. And again, those dollars are being, re, are being reinvested right here in our county to help with affordable housing projects and uh, uh, people who have small businesses. So to me, it's a win-win, and we're getting a return to help our retirees here in Fresno County. I would love to see more pension systems out there, look at opportunities where they can create funds like that Generate more liquidity and opportunity for entrepreneurs to flourish in their communities.
0: I think that's so well said, and that's such a wonderful point. And and you know, I do speak with a lot of public pension funds around the country, and they're all suffering in different ways, some more than others. But I think, like you said, in um, change, negative or positive change, there's always opportunity. You just really have to find it. It's not always that simple. It sounds like you're doing, you know, such a creative. Um, you're you're thinking in such a creative way, and and the board is to help really the people, the residents of Fresno in this way, and then also, as you said, to have a return on your on your portfolio. It's it's really that is what needs to be done everywhere. It's not always so easy. You know, I do have some clients um, who'll say, "So we thought maybe if our stock mark if our stocks weren't doing well, we would think about real estate." But real estate's being taken, you know, a dive almost everywhere, especially commercial real estate um, in a lot of states. So I'm, I'm curious as to how real estate is doing in Fresno.
1: I'll tell you, real estate, um, residential real estate is booming right now. And which is what we're seeing is there are parts of Fresno County which are much more suburban and we're close to Silicon Valley. And so what we're seeing happen is now that um, workers are being encouraged to work from home, and that may be the new norm. A lot of businesses that are in kind of dense more dense environments are looking for suburbia to move their families to, where maybe there's a better school system, um, maybe there's more distance, um, and they can still do their job, uh, but they want an environment which is much more inviting and family-oriented than maybe what the city provides. So here in Fresno County, we've got the fifth largest city in the state at the center of our county, but we also have thousands and thousands of of square miles of opportunity and 14 other cities. Uh, We have some of the best K through 12 schools here in Fresno County across the nation. And so um, people are coming here and that really is impacting our housing market. Um, It is a seller's market. Uh, we're seeing prices rise and with interest rates right now on 15 and 30 year fixed mortgages um, being the lowest they've ever been it's it's created um an environment here where a lot of people are looking for housing but to your point about commercial real estate i'm very concerned about what's going to happen to our brick and mortar locations because as we've had to close sectors for so long we've already seen um, you know, different uh, clothing outlets that have been established for decades that have gone bankrupt, or they're just choosing to close their doors because they know they can't—they can no longer operate in an environment like this. We're seeing restaurants doing the same, so it is—it is very concerning to see that. And uh, again, when it comes to our pension funds, you clearly have to be strategic where you're putting your dollars.
0: Yeah, no, I'm—I'm I'm very concerned with you. You know about commercial and retail retail stores maybe never coming back um the way they were i mean i think there was a decline even before the pandemic everyone was shopping online right you're a busy mom you're a busy dad you're just going to go on to online shopping it's easier um so the experience of shopping was declining for you know, retail everywhere. And I think now with the pandemic, that's really been almost a nail in the coffin. So I hope there'll be um, some creative ways to recover that because I do think that, that retail certainly had, had benefits to it. Um, so I'd love to see that come back. Now, question, do you have in the retirement plan a law, law enforcement officers of any sort that are part of the plan?
1: Yes, so the way our board is structured, we have a nine-member board, um, four of the members on that board are appointed by the Board of Supervisors, and one of those four members can also be a supervisor, which I serve as one of those four members um, on the board. The fifth member on that board is um, by statute, because uh, we're a 1937-act county, and um, uh the laws that we follow, uh, we have a document called the CERL, which, uh, which we follow. And in that document says one of the members on our board needs to be the auditor, controller, tax collector, um, who's duly elected from a county. And then the other four members uh, run for election. One of them is a retired person. Um, two of the members, uh, remaining members are uh, general members. And then the last member is a public safety member. So that's the makeup of our board.
0: Okay. So so, and then um, as far as the plan, the county retirement system is made up of uh, police officers, firefighters as well. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. So it's made up of police officers. um, Well, I should say uh, deputy sheriffs, uh, technically. And then um, uh, some firefighters. We used to have different fire districts that were a part of it. Uh, Currently, um, we still have retirees who were firefighters, but I don't know that we still have any active um, firefighters that are part of our plan. And then we have general uh, members that are part of the plan too. So these are people who work for like uh, um, child support services, um, Department of Social Services, Department of Behavioral Health, um, so programs like that. And so we've got about, if, if you look at inactive, Active and retired members there's about twenty thousand uh, members that uh, are a part of our system
0: oh wow so has there been any call for reform or police reform or defunding in light of you know current events have you seen any of that in your county
1: so in our county there there has been discussions about how our law enforcement can engage with the, the public in better ways so um, we are seeing some of those discussions and I got to really give a lot of credit to our chiefs of police uh, uh, that are out there in in our 15 different cities, and also our sheriff that we have here, in my opinion, is just doing a fantastic job. So uh, really there is a strong support for our law enforcement here in Fresno County, but all of our departments do recognize there's always opportunity to do better. So there have been some community meetings, Um, some individuals have come and spoken um, out at uh, some of our council meetings, And uh, I know here at the Board of Supervisors, we've received some suggestions uh, from folks in our community how we can do better when it comes to law enforcement.
0: Well, it sounds like Fresno is really very forward thinking in almost everything that you're doing, everything that you're saying as far, you know, the investment portfolio you're trying to think um, in creative ways. You're working on uh, reforms for what is already a good police department. So, so that's really nice to hear. Let's talk about your teachers for a second, because they're part of your um, employees as well. So what's going on with that? And how, are, how does Fresno plan to continue to employ teachers and make school work? I know you have these school-age children. So how's all that yeah, so here
1: in Fresno County we have a what's, uh, what's called a Fresno County Office of Education and they're elected that person is elected countywide. And then we have about 34 different school districts that are in just the county of Fresno um, with, with some of the biggest uh, Fresno Unified School District and Clovis Unified, which I think are like the number three and number five or six largest in the whole state. They're very big school districts. So um, they are independent from us. They have their own school boards that operate, but our our public health department is working directly with all of them to make sure that when the time comes for schools to open up, that there are practices in place to protect teachers, protect kids, but also create an environment where learning can take place. So there are, are regular conversations that are happening even now and have been happening for months between our public health department um, and our different school districts to get them ready for when the time is right to have kids go back to school.
0: Right. And is Internet services, is that available throughout the counties? Because that's, I know, a problem, you know. Global, so I'll tell you, know. you,
1: Internet Internet is OK for about 80 percent of the population. But a huge concern are for the people who live in our more rural areas um, up in the mountains, uh, it's very spotty. We have uh, one school district that um, is uh, between a community called Shaver Lake and, and uh, out near Big Creek. And uh, internet is a problem there. We also have a number of um, uh, Native American uh, tribes here in Fresno County. And some of the lands that they have are in areas where there is uh, spotty at best um, internet. And so those kids, um, if if we don't take extra steps and measures, uh, those kids could be left behind. But these are things, these are challenges that we're facing and we're uh, daily trying to figure out how to solve those.
0: Okay. That's great. Um, what about you? I noticed you are not working from home, right? You're back in your office because <laughs> I can yep. see you. Um, so um, tell me, um, do you prefer being back in the office and do you encourage that as a step forward? What are your thoughts on that?
1: So for me, um, you know, there, there are um, a lot of people who uh, have the ability to work from home. I come into the office, you know, I follow rules. I have a mask right here in my pocket. <laughs> I love that. See, I do um, see so that. If, if I was talking to someone in my office, I'd be wearing this mask. Or if I left my office and, and was talking to others, I'd be wearing that mask. But uh, you know, for me, I think it's important as an as an elected official to lead from the front. And what that means is, we have many many frontline workers out there that don't have, they can't make the choice to go home. I look at our doctors, our nurses, our police officers, our firefighters, our teachers. Uh, many of them, they have to go to work. So uh, to me, I, I'm a little bit convicted. While I could do 90% of my job from home, um, I come in and I you know, wear the appropriate personal protective equipment too. But I come in, um, I try to provide uh, encouragement to a lot of our frontline workers. I have Facebook Live videos where I talk to the public. I have doctors on, nurses on, where I'm giving information about how this virus is impacting our county. And so I don't want to become disconnected and distant, distant from my constituents. Um, I want to be right there with them, letting them know that we're going to get through this and also providing them with the facts and information so they can make good decisions as we deal with this pandemic together.
0: Well, it sounds like you're uh, the captain of the ship and you're not going to abandon them. So I think that's really admirable. I know you um, are really committed to you know, creating new water storage and economic development, protecting agriculture, enhancing public safety, improving roads. Pick one of those and just tell me a little bit about that and really where your heart lies.
1: Sure, well, my heart lies with all of that. And really, um, I, when it comes to my heart, my, my goal in life is to be a servant. I really believe that everybody is created and they have great value and worth. And um, my role in life is simply to serve others. And so um, that really is where my heart is. I know I'm not a perfect person and uh, I'm, I'm always trying to learn from my mistakes, but where there's opportunities to not only lead and serve, that's, that's really where I want to be.
0: That's great. And how do you um, impart this to your children as a dad?
1: Well, I, I learned a long time ago that kids learn more by what they see me doing than what they hear me saying. And so, um, but I also know that I need to spend quality time with my kids too, Uh, that the type of job I have, I could spend 24 hours a day um, returning phone calls, sending emails, uh, trying to put out a fire somewhere. Um, And I need to really prioritize things. At the end of the day, I love what I do as an elected, but my family always has to be my first priority. Yesterday, I took my son um, out to a, um, a, a place called Hank Swanks, which is a golf course. He's learning how to golf. And so I took him out to the putting green and uh, we were putting a little bit and then he was out chipping, doing some chip shots and just learning how to swing clubs and he was getting frustrated. But I was very mindful of the fact of how important just spending quality time talking through um, difficulties of golf with my son is even in the face of the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. So for my kids, I want them to see me as being someone who has credibility, both as a supervisor with constituents, but also credibility as a dad.
0: I think that's so true. I think kids want more than anything. What they want from us is our time and we have to be mindful of that. Um, Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. I don't want to let you go without just asking you, you know, just as far as the structure of the retirement systems, like what advice do you want to give? It sounds like Fresno is doing a lot right. I'm sure there's room for improvement everywhere, even by your own admission. But you're doing so many things that are on the right track. So what do you feel like is an area that you maybe would like to improve as far as the retirement um, system is concerned? And then something that maybe you'd like to say, hey, uh, you out there, other funds, take a look, maybe do this.
1: Well again we talked a little bit about that RBC fund that uh, we created and I have just been pleasantly surprised at the the benefits the the multi-layer benefits that are there from that. So I I would really love to see pension funds and I would challenge pension funds out there to look inward and what I mean by that is if if you manage a pension fund that maybe is um, you know based in Illinois or it's it's based in a state or maybe it's focused in a county how can maybe how can you how can you maybe take a portion of those funds to build infrastructure, to uh, uh, solve a problem that maybe you have in your backyard, not ignoring the fact that you need to be making a certain level of return, but there may be an opportunity to do both, to make uh, returns and also have a very significant impact in your own home, in your own backyard, in your own community. So to me, that is an area that I want to explore more in Fresno County, And I hope other pension funds look at opportunities to do that, too.
0: So I think that it's almost like you're saying, you know, always spread your wings, but stay close to home and think of your family as an initial matter. Right. That's perfect. Said very well. (laughs) All right. Well, Nathan, it's a pleasure always chatting with you. You always give us great information. I'm very sure that our audience will have learned so much here. Um, Thanks for coming on. Stay safe and healthy. And thanks for all your great advice.
1: Thank you, Atar. I look forward to seeing you soon.